Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, welcome back. So today I have a lot to unpack. You guys know what I'm going to be talking about today. You saw the title of this podcast. And if you haven't heard this news report yet, well, maybe you'll first hear it from me right here. So let's start off by summarizing the event that happened yesterday that has kind of grabbed the world's attention. And that was the airstrike, or some of you might call it assassination, of one of the top figureheads in the Iranian regime and the commander of their Quds force, a guy by the name of Qassam Soleimani. Now, real quick, we can we can talk about the, the market reaction to this, which was pretty swift. And, and I'll focus on precious metals because that's where I know a lot of you guys are heading with this. You know, there's there's obviously, we, we can ask ourselves, is this move to the upside sustainable or is this just the beginning, depending on what ultimately becomes of this event in terms of retaliation and escalation. But as I speak, uh, gold is trading just shy of $1,550. That's just shy of its 2019 high, just shy of its like six or seven year high, uh, which dates back to, to 2013, last time it was at this level. And silver uh, which did move up more significantly compared to where it's at right now, currently sits at $18.08 an ounce. Now, uh, overnight here in the United States, it's as high as $18.26. It has come back somewhat, and that's probably partly because uh, uh, geopolitical events tend to sway the, the gold markets a little bit more than the silver markets. But regardless, I mean, this was already a good week a good couple weeks for precious metals. And this is sort of just the, the icing on the cake uh, w- with, of course, the understanding that that war and, and death is, is, well, not maybe a good reason for silver and gold to go up, or at least a, a good reason to be happy about silver and gold going up. But but nonetheless, markets are markets, and we have to, to pay attention to that. And, and well, it's it's been a good week. It's been a good day for precious metals. It'll just be a question of whether or not this is sustainable, if, if things don't erupt further over the weekend or heading into next week, uh, or if if this is further going to escalate, uh, we could see gold and silver move up even even way more than, than they have just in the past 24 hours. Uh, show of hands, how many of you guys can legitimately say you knew that name, that face, and or his position in the Iranian regime prior to yesterday? You know, I can say I, 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 know, I knew his face, maybe his name, maybe his position, but I'll, I'll fess up to being part of this ignorance that is probably kind of widespread here in the West, partly probably due to our media. I mean, we can't just all blame it on the media. We take some responsibility. But, you know, our media does tend to focus on figureheads. The Ayatollah Khamenei's, the Benjamin Netanyahu's, the Vladimir Putin's of the world, the figureheads, and not so much focus on their top commanders, their top generals, and some other major figures in, in their domestic politics. But he was, you know, by all, by all accounts, you know, their top in their top five, maybe t- second or third in, in terms of importance in uh, the, the overall Iranian regime. A very popular guy domestically as well. Yes, he, there's obviously going to be some dissent, just like there is in any country, but fairly popular and has been on the scene in the Iranian military for, for decades now. 
And of course, he was killed in an airstrike uh, just outside of, of Baghdad's international airport. Uh, another important uh, uh, figure in, in sort of the Iraqi side of things was also killed in this airstrike. Uh, but this is this is huge because you know some people have compared this to to the killing of of Osama bin Laden, right? The alleged mastermind behind nine eleven. Of course, some of you guys are going to throw up your arms at that, but but you guys know you all we all knew who Osama bin Laden was. He was the the head of Al Qaeda. And I would say that, yeah, in, in some ways this is similar to that, but I would say that in many ways, even though the U.S. population or the Western population may not react quite the same, this is bigger than, than the, uh, the operation that we, we undertook against bin Laden. And, and I'll tell you why. First of all, even though we in the West are, are largely ignorant to this guy's name and, and his role and whatnot, that doesn't mean that this isn't at all important to Iran and their leadership and their people. This is vastly, very important to their people. Second of all, we were at open, we were in open war with, with Al-Qaeda at that point in time. And we had been for a very long period. And at that point, 2011, you know, almost 10 years uh, after the, the attacks on, on 9-11, Al-Qaeda was, was a pretty weak organization, Right, not that they were ever a huge power. They they were never a, they were always a non-state actor, uh, but they were they had receded prim, uh, uh, pretty significantly in terms of their power uh, globally and even regionally. And this is obviously not the case for Iran, though their economy has weakened a bit as of late, largely due to, to U.S. sanctions. Iran is still a regional power, a major regional power, regional major regional power broker, and more importantly. We were not at war with them at this point in time. Yes, you know, I think the, the U.S. had designated the Quds forces and or the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard as, as a terrorist organization. But the problem with this is that every accusation that we can make against them, they, they can also make against us. And I'm not defending them whatsoever. What I'm saying here, though, is that uh, Qassam Soleimani and his organization, they did a lot of bad stuff. Were they responsible for hundreds of Americans' deaths? Yes. And probably thousands of Syrians, Yemenis, Saudis, uh, Iraqis. Yeah, that's all true. However, the blood that is on their hands is also on our hands, right? U.S., our allies, our proxies, our contractors in the Middle East have been responsible for, for plenty of deaths as well. So I, I don't want to at all come off like I'm defending the guy or the Iranian regime. I'm simply going with, with the same... I guess, framework that I've used quite a bit in these types of geopolitical situations and say that there does not have to be a good guy in this situation. Yes, Iran is bad, and I don't want to mince my words in that whatsoever. I don't, I'm not a fan of their regime at all. However, that doesn't, actually, that doesn't automatically make the United States the good guy in this situation. They can both be bad guys. And so that's sort of my take on this, this situation. Do I want Iran to be spreading their influence in the Middle East? No. But I don't want the U.S. to be doing it either. Right? I'm not going to settle for a lesser of two evils in this type of situation. And, and what happened yesterday was an act of war against a, a country that we were not formally against or formally uh, in a state of war with at that point in time, though I think we can consider ourselves at a state of war with them at this point right now. And, and the ball is sort of in their court. Uh, we, really, we have to ask ourselves, you know, as we come up on this weekend here, what is going to happen next? What is going to happen? How are they going to choose to 
escalate slash uh, respond to this assassination. And and I think we can create a list of potential things that that will happen. First of all, you have uh, the start of Hormuz, which they very well may be closing. Uh, That's, of course, the the route out of uh, the Persian Gulf um, for, for a huge amount of the world's oil supplies. They could close the Strait of Hormuz. They could, uh, as they have in the past, attack tankers in the 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 around the Strait or in in the Persian Gulf. They can attack Iranian or sorry Saudi uh, uh, oil facilities or oil facilities of other countries, especially U.S. allies in uh, the Middle East. Uh, they can uh, can direct Hezbollah and and indirectly direct um, uh, Hamas to to attack Israel and to to stir up some trouble there uh they they can direct their forces and or their proxies in uh Yemen to to ramp up their their battles and their attacks and and their fight against Saudi Arabia they can do the same in uh in Iraq and and Syria except against the US and, and our contractors and our proxies and our embassy in in Baghdad right those are all on the table for Iran at this point in time as well as uh, potential um, further conventional attacks on the United States. I'm talking about airstrikes or missile attacks on U.S. bases or bases that host U.S. Uh, military assets in the Middle East. Uh, there could be uh, um, a, a naval or, or uh, a missile attack against the U.S. carrier strike group or other naval assets. Um, additionally, you know, it's it's kind of a known secret that that Hezbollah, which is sort of an arm of of or at least a very close ally to Iran and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, has assets worldwide. Um, you can call them supercells here in the United States, in, in Europe and whatnot, that they could choose to to activate, to carry out terrorist attacks, to, to assassinate, to spread fear, spread whatever. Um, they could use other asymmetric forms of warfare. They could use uh, something like... like a, a, Cyber warfare, or 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 other similar tactics tactics to that against the United States and and our allies, there's a lot on the table that the that Iran could could do to respond to this uh, this assassination of Soleimani. And I think it's all on the table, all on the table at this point in time. This is maybe the worst point for U.S. Iranian relations dating back to you know probably some point in the 1980s. Right. This is far worse than this past summer, which was already probably the worst Iranian uh, Iran and, and U.S. relations have been since, you know, the 80s, probably sometime during the Iran uh, um, Iraqi war. You know, probably the worst they had been since we, you know, like I shot down one of their civilian airliners uh, back in, I want to say, in the 80s. It, this is bad. Right. And. You know, this weekend with markets being closed and whatnot, they'll have plenty of times to to time to digest this news. But also, there's gonna be plenty of time for for decision making and, and escalation on on behalf of Iran. Now, the United States has not been shy about taking credit for this airstrike, as well as being very clear that we're willing to to respond in kind if they choose to respond in kind to us or respond in, in any way to us. Uh, recent news uh, from like a day or two ago prior to this, uh, which which was more so in response to uh, the the storming of the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, was was a deployment of of additional troops to the Middle East. At that point in time, 750 paratroopers from the 82nd Airborne Division, 
But today we're going to news that, that something like 3,500 additional U.S. troops are now going to be deployed to the Middle East. And that's in addition to like five or 6,000 already in Iraq, something like 60,000 already in the Middle East. Um, you know, a lot of you guys aren't going to like, you don't want to hear this because I know a minority of my supporters are going to Trump uh, support Trump in this no matter what. And, and I don't want to make this partisan. I would be upset if Obama did this, if Trump did this, whatever, whoever did this. But uh, despite the fact that the U.S. to some extent has pulled out of, of Syria during uh, Trump's time in office, uh, the amount of troops in the Middle East has increased pretty significantly. In fact, since May, when, when tensions with Iran uh, first started to really increase, we uh, troop levels in the Middle East have increased by something like 12,000 right? Uh, we still have a carrier strike group in the region, another one not so far off, if I remember right, in or around Southeast Asia. You know, so we still have plenty of forces in the area if this potentially turns into a, a hot war. But whatever way this goes, whether it's asymmetric warfare or a conventional strike by Iran in retaliation, whatever ultimately becomes of this uh, news event, we're at war with Iran at this point in time. And I, I don't see this somehow getting any better. This wasn't us shooting down one of their drones. This wasn't them shooting down one of our drones. This wasn't us uh, killing some of their proxy militiamen in in Iraq or Syria. This wasn't them killing one of our contractors. No, this is this is one of the top figureheads in the Iranian regime uh, um, assassinated by the United States. And I think this will inevitably lead to a very long, drawn-out war, which could at any point in time turn into a, a very hot war, a very hot conventional war, not just an asymmetric war. So we'll see where this ultimately heads uh, going into this weekend. But this is a big deal, something to keep an eye on. I'm sure get, many of you guys have already seen these news reports, but I wanted to, to take some time to talk about it on my own here, share some of my own thoughts on it. Uh, and, and, and you guys know that I'm hardly a pacifist, However, I, I am sick of the United States and, and, and our allies uh, constantly being in or, or starting wars. And, and ultimately, they're, they're, you know, neocons are going to find a way to justify this, right? Pompeo, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, came out and said that this was in response to good intelligence that, that Iran was uh, planning a strike against U.S. troops. And he's going to release more details in the future. But but I'm sort of sick of this. I mean, this is this is the same page. This is page out of the same playbook that the U.S. has used for 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 years, using uh, the intelligence community as an excuse to carry out something like this. Right in 2003, it was intelligence reports of of WMDs in Iraq. Right, and this is no nothing new. Right, this is just more intelligence reports that that we can't really verify but could potentially lead to a major regional conflict and potentially World War III when you take into account Iran's uh, close relations with Russia as well as China and the fact that the U.S. has close relations, obviously, with Europe and Saudi Arabia and Israel in the region. So so I hope that this doesn't boil over into a major regional or worldwide conflict. However, this is the worst relations have been with Iran in, in decades. And and they're not going to get any better anytime soon. So so stay tuned for more. As always, though, I'd like to thank every one of you for tuning into my podcast. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. 
Uh, stay tuned for more over the weekend and, and moving into early next week. And God bless.